When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're celebrating as Utah makes its way back to Las Vegas for the Pac 12 Championship game. We talk with Kenneth Scott. And we look back at the news around the Pac-12. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. What up? We're going back. Going we're back going to, to the Vegas. ship, baby. We're going four for four this weekend. Everything aligned. I can't believe it. I, I honestly can't believe that all four things happened. When you live right on and off the field, <laughs> good things happen, boys. Dude, it's crazy, because I as soon as, like, after the Oregon game and started reading stuff on online and Twitter and it was talked about like there's still a possibility that Utah could go and these are the four things that have to happen. I was like, oh, those are probably going to happen. I can see all those happening. And then during the week, I was like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. In college football, there's always one upset, right? There's always just... for sure. And I texted you guys Friday night going... UCLA is going to screw this up for us right <laughs> out of the gates because they, they were behind the cow. And I and yeah, I was watching. That and I was like, "Well, we can't even get the first one done. How are we going to get the other three done?" <laughs> well, and then looking at that Oregon Oregon State game, it's th- what 31, 31 10? to ten in the third quarter. And yeah, I was like, "Well, all hope is lost." Did you guys see that story about the booster during the third quarter that of the Oregon game? Who bought an eleven thousand dollar suite? I only heard about it from you. Okay, no joke. I think John Calzano had it. A a, a big-time booster. He didn't say who it was, but a big-time booster for Oregon. During that third quarter, bought the last suite available in Allegiant Stadium for eleven grand plus catering. <laughs> I hope it's non-refundable. <laughs> oh, you know it's not. Hey, hey can, I, can I go in that suite? How do we... How do we... How do we get in there? I mean, can you imagine? You're so conf. I mean, I guess I, w- I wouldn't be confident enough to drop 11K, but when you're up 31 to 10 in the third quarter, you've got to be feeling pretty good about and your you chances. you know Oregon State can only run? And that's all they did. Five, <laughs> ca- five completions the entire game. I thought their their last pass attempt was eight minutes left in the third. That's embarrassing for Oregon. It really is. Woof, Not only woof. for the defense, but for the offense to not be able to generate anything oh and gosh. keep giving them Ooh. good field position. And, and and this just, it almost makes it worse that we lost to these guys a week before. I know. And it kind of does sting a little bit. But it just, it's crazy. The, the things that happened in that Oregon-Oregon State game, the, like, bad punt snap at the goal line Oregon going for it in their own territory one deep in their own territory on the last drive they had a oh, first and goal they did inside a, the five yeah 
Oh my gosh, that was too good. I enjoyed it, it was, way too much. Maybe maybe your OC shouldn't already have tickets to to Tempe before the game's over. Yeah, that uh, that's interesting. But hey, that's good news for the Utes. For the Utes, I will say, if you listen to the Monday Presser with Wit, I loved how he was getting updates during the Utah-Colorado game. Well, there was no coaching that had to be done during that game, so (laughs) he was probably pretty available. He probably just actually had it tuned in right into his radio. (laughs) (laughs) Just pipe this in. I don't need to listen to these coaches anymore. So Utah gets the win over Colorado, sixty-three to twenty-one. Never in doubt, just just a beatdown. That was kind of like an, a game, like we haven't really had. I mean, we've had better competition against Southern Utah, mm-hmm. against Sacramento State, than what Colorado just put on the field. I mean. It's crazy how bad they are on both sides of the ball. I mean, the quarterback, I guess he was brand new to the to the yeah. game. I mean, he hadn't played most of the year. I think, I think he was brand new to the game of football. I read he was fifth string at the beginning of the year. Well, dude, but he was a little pipey. Dude, he was barking at everybody. But he couldn't complete a pass, oh, no. even to open receivers. Yeah, it was not good. Fifth string. Do we even have a fifth string? I guess Brandon Rose was probably fifth string at one point. Yeah. Woof, woof, man. That was quite woof. the game. And I think the best part about it is Utah rested everybody. You know, Cam Cl- Rising didn't even play in the second including half. Clark Phillips. Clark. And Tavion. <laughs> He's resting the toe injury. Right, I hope Kincaid's good to go, though, for this game. I mean, they said today's. It, it's not a serious injury, right? Is what they I think what they classified it as. Did they um, allude to whether it was head, neck, no, back? No, they won't. Oh, no. They won't. They won't say a thing. That he should be good, but I, I, I'm kind of nervous that Clark Phillips didn't play. I I didn't read too much about it into it just because it's Colorado, so yeah. I didn't read too much about There's it. There's nothing on the line, but He's I think protecting himself. But I think knowing USC's passing attack, <laughs> it makes me nervous that he, he is not a hundred percent. But I mean, who's at 100% this late in the year? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'll be good. I'm sure he'll be good to go. I would be very surprised if he's not. Kincaid, we're going to need all 16 catches again from him. Yasmin looked pretty good, too. That was that hurdle and the... Was that the play of the season? It was pretty good. It was, it was it awesome. Was because good. not only... I mean, sometimes when they when they make that hurdle... They, they don't land it. They don't land it. It was... Or they get, like, clipped so on the heels. It was so pretty. And then as soon as he hit the ground, he accelerated like a wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. That was insane. That was pretty. That, that was... was uh, it's too bad uh, he got buried in, in the depth chart with probably the two best tight ends in program history. Mm-hmm. Because uh, had he been given more opportunities this year... I think he would have been a big weapon, and eh, I mean, we're going to need him if Kincaid's not 100%. Uh, that, that pass, though, that Kincaid caught, the unbelievable. The to switch shoulders looking over, and then, yeah, it was just... And getting held in the end zone, as you said, switching it. 
the other thing I loved about that is that's a result of Winningham calling timeouts and being aggressive. I know. I, lo- I, love, I love it when it. he does that, but when he was doing it, I was like, really? You're doing this? You're already up 30-some-odd points. You're doing this against no, Colorado? But then when he did it, I was like, yeah, that was sweet. <laughs> well, and I think I, I like, because I, I was figuring a lot of the starters weren't going to see the field in the second half. And so I'm like, yeah, get them more reps in there. Uh, I think for me, like, kind of like the, the biggest takeaway for me was Jackson. Heck of a game. And it's crazy to think that he is only a few weeks in at playing running back. He hasn't from had, moving from wide receiver, if you don't remember call. <laughs> he hasn't even had an off season yet at running back. He is just so smooth with the ball in his hands. He just runs like a deer. He, but it, I mean, thanks, that, thanks Yogi. <laughs> that that jump cut on that long one that he busted just slides by this yeah. guy. I mean, he's, he's just you know who he reminds me of, other than a deer, the late Ty Jordan. Ooh. I I. How? Just, I'm not going to disagree. I'm just curious where you're. How, just, how are you coming? This? I mean, obviously they're different runners just due to his size, mm-hmm. but he is just so smooth with the ball. I mean, Tavion, you could give, you could put Tavion on the practice field with a statue, and I don't think he can make that move by himself. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm being legit. Like he couldn't. Not everybody has just that ability to have that type of footwork. And the fact that he's got it with really never, not, hasn't played the position since junior high, early days of high school, and he's coming in without skipping a beat, and, and he's looked good. Even when he's only gotten two, three, four reps a game, those reps he's gotten, he, he makes the most of them. And he hits the hole hard. And, and he lowers fast. his shoulder. And yeah. see, I think that's the thing I love about him because he has the speed and the quickness that, you know, a lot of guys will try to bounce outside. Uh, they don't really want to run between the tackles because they're not a power back. They want to use their speed, that agility that you said to get to the outside, get to the sideline and cut up where he's hitting that hole in the middle. And he actually, if you, I, the way he's running, I think he's better in between the tackles because that's where he as juking guys I, I just can't get over his footwork is because he's not he's not stopping or slowing down to put these moves on guys he puts it on and he still goes mm. and yeah i mean he's he's got a chance to be pretty special with what he's shown so far so you you say he reminds you of of ty jordan i don't know if you guys saw online his long run of 66 matches ty jordan's long run in the same stadium for 66 yards oh my gosh wow it's meant to be bobby meant to be I do want to since since really nothing happened, but we it's important that we bring it up. Special teams. Special teams. <laughs> I knew it. I mean, he got a lot of practice kicking PATs, but some of those still barely crossed, got over the line at really yeah, the they, the yeah, highest right. altitude you can get in college football. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, no, it they did not look pretty. Well, and, th- there's oh. there was a blunder. Well, the opening kickoff, they took it what, back to the 35, you know. We won't get too critical of that, but, uh, you know, Money Parks, I thought it was interesting. Money Parks came in in the middle of the game, fumbled it once, and lost his job back to Vele. Something about the backup uh, punter, whether it's Gilmore or Parks, they just can't seem to. <laughs> but it was good that it wasn't Gilmore. 
It probably would have turned into a touchdown if it was Gilmore. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the idea of money back there because he's fast, he's quick. I love Vele because he is so sure-handed with the ball. Mm-hmm. He just makes every catch look comfortable. He's rock solid fielding the punts, but he's just not much of a threat to do anything with it. Um, and obviously, it you know looks like potentially money could be the guy next year, but got to work on those uh, fielding uh, skills a little bit. It makes you though appreciate what we had watching Covey back oh the first, for all those years because. Vele, like you said, Vele is shorthanded. We're going to get possession, but he makes maybe one guy miss, picks up a couple of yards, and that's it. I mean, Covey was so special back there. Well, Covey had that burst that he could, he had the agility to make the first guy, make the second guy miss, but then he could instantly put on the Jets. Mm-hmm. You know, Vele is just, a, he's just not that type of athlete, doesn't have that quick explosiveness. Um, but yeah, I mean, Britton Covey, the fact that we're back in this position playing for a conference title again, without Keithy, without Covey, without, um, Lloyd, yeah, without Tavian Thomas, which could be addition by subtraction. Um, I mean, it's really, it really is remarkable. We're playing again for a conference title. Thank goodness they did away with the. The, the divisions. Yeah, I was going to say, I, <laughs> I kind of think everyone felt that when they got rid of the divisions, it was to kind of help the North, maybe Washington and Oregon, and it's interesting that it's two South teams that are in there. Yeah, well, it definitely benefited us, because if it was North and South, we would, we'd be sitting at home right now. Um, USC, it'd be USC-Washington, so uh, it was a good year. It was a good year for that change. It was inspired change from, from George. <laughs> So good, uh, good work on that, and uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, I'm ready. I, I'm ready to go. Are we Are we ready to start talking about this game yet, or what? Let's We're almost do there. It. We're almost there. Last Last note about Colorado. It was great to see Cam come back after that game against Oregon. He was 17 of 19, 234 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And I know it's it's Colorado, right? And it's probably one of the worst P5 teams in the country. But I think Cam needed a game like that to kind of get that crap out from from Oregon. Absolutely, it does. I yes, it was Colorado, but there's more to it than that because we saw not even against Oregon, but before that, his accuracy has has not been as good, and his accuracy was a lot better against Colorado. He, he and he seemed to be running a little bit better um, than past games. Um, so I mean, hopefully, it's he's. Physically, mentally, uh, just stronger than he was um, against Oregon, and, and you know, as I said, kind of got that out of his system. Because we're going to need the cam rising that was uh, in Rice Stadium against US. Yes, I think we, I think we, we need a, a better, even a better cam rising um, than we had in, in Rice Stadium. So we are up against a break. Uh, we have Kenneth Scott on the line. When we come back, let's talk some football with K Scott. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Utah fans. The honestly, my favorite interview of the year. We, we always try to get him at least once. Kenneth Scott, former great wide receiver at Utah. K. Scott, how are you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing good, man. Can't complain. Fired up. Can't wait to the game this Friday so I can be fired up even more. But all is well. Hopefully you guys is well, too. No, we're doing great. We're, I mean, everything went Utah's way this past weekend. So I mean, we're on cloud nine. We're all headed down to Vegas. We're on cloud nine. I, I, so I got to yeah. ask you, as, as a former player, you know, someone that put in, you know, that, that work to get Utah, to get that program where it is now. As you look back over your career and, and since then, how much pride do you take in knowing that Utah's going to their fourth Pac-12 championship game in five years, if we want to count COVID, but we shouldn't. But just Man. as a former player, how, what does that mean to you? Dude, it's amazing to see where the program has come from where we initially started going into the Pac-12. You know, I know Solomon Enos, he just posted uh, a tweet about you know, over the last couple of years, you know, he's been to a Pac-12 championship every year and, you know, how grateful he is to be a part of that journey. And man, I'm just like, man, that's that's a beautiful thing because he also mentioned how in that same time when they were recruiting him, he, they were saying that they were, they were contenders. And so, you know, I'll take it back all the way to the beginning where, shoot, man, we were out the gate first year, could have went to the Pac-12 championship, you know, despite our loss to Colorado. But you know, going through that beautiful journey to get it to where it is now for the players that are being recruited to know what the standard is now. It's no longer, you know, us getting to a bowl game, winning a bowl game. It's no longer us just getting beat at Pac-12 South Champions. It's no longer us getting to the game. It's actually winning the game now. So it's, it's pretty cool to see the evolution of it all. Hey, so as a, as a California guy, grew up in California, What's it what's it like playing USC? I mean, obviously you 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 do that as a member of the South or what was known as the South Division. You go up against USC every year. But now with the rise of USC, all of the attention they're getting, what's on the line in a in a championship game, what would it be like for these California kids going up against USC in this setting? Man, I know for me, whenever I played USC, man, it was a beautiful thing because, you know, growing up in California, that's who you admire, you know, especially for me, you know, growing up in the Pete Carroll era, Pete Carroll era, you know, that's all you heard about was USC this, USC that, you know, and so I've always admired them, even in the recruiting trail, you know, before, you know, when, when Pete Carroll left, that's when I was like, ah, man. But, uh, you know, that's something, you know, every every California kid, you know, we grew up watching USC and UCLA. And when it comes to ter- terms of actually playing for playing against them, it's like, man, let's get it. Let's go. And so you kind of get ramped up a little bit more, you know. So, uh, you know, it's always a beautiful feeling to to go against those guys. Um, it's crazy. They're not a, <laughs> they're not, quote unquote, our rivals, but low key. Because of the games that have been played since the start of it, man, it's, I mean, despite our, our, our crucial loss at USC that one year, you know, it's been close neck and neck, you know, as far as, you know, the games being a rival type game. So uh, definitely amped up being a California kid, getting to play against a USC squad. So the motivation is there. 
And I think it definitely is, you know, a, a rivalry game. And not only, as you mentioned, those games are being so close, but there are so many kids like you when you were on Utah that are from Southern California, right? Um, and so wanting to play against, you know, a USC that maybe didn't recruit them, maybe didn't think that they were good enough, you know, to be on, on, on their roster. So I think that's, you know, a lot of the, that rivalry may come from. Uh, but kind of taking that, when you go against a team like USC or, you know, a blue blood, you know, is it hard for players to kind of get away from playing the name across the chest, that USC name? Is it hard for players to kind of go beyond that and just play the game like they know how to play? Man, I heard, what player was it? I forgot what, I think it was the Oregon State player or some some player over the weekend had mentioned, you know, we play football all our lives and, you know, it's the outside stuff that makes the game more than what it is. But like you mentioned, it's just another body. It's another body, you know, the X's and O's and one play at a time, and despite their name on the jerseys. Um, so, you know, it kind of goes with what you're saying. But, you know, being with the legacy that's tied to the name and what you can be because of what you do against those names makes it a little bit more enticing to get a little more amped up because like man if i ball against a usc people gonna remember me forever like like uh dalton kincaid people gonna remember him forever 16 catches 240 yards ever if he did that against the idaho or somebody be like uh it's idaho or colorado, uh, it's colorado you know what i'm saying but it's against a usc so you know it is a man mano a mano you know as far as uh you know a man against man but you know having that name across the jersey does amp it up a little bit more when you do produce. Okay, you bring up you bring up Dalton Kincaid and that fateful night, uh, sixteen catches, almost two hundred forty yards receiving, absolutely incredible. Now USC, their defense is pretty opportunistic. They're not great, but they they're great at taking the ball away. But with that being said, they're not going to let Dalton go for sixteen receptions again, right? They better not. <laughs> I, I mean, realistically, that defensive Man. coordinator game plan has to focus on Kincaid, right? And they're it not gonna let—they're not gonna let him go off again. Which means, uh-huh. in the passing game, your former position, the wideouts—they're mm-hmm. gonna have to have a big night, aren't they? Yeah, they—they they definitely are gonna have to have a big night because I can see it. They're gonna hammer down on the run game and double up Kincaid as they see fit, and it's gonna leave a lot of matchups on the outside. Whether it's Enos, uh, my guy uh, uh, Vele, Money Parts is coming along. One of the guys I really like a lot, Makai Kopi's young. He's gonna have a bright future, you know. And even Yasmin, if he steps in, whenever he does what he does, I love him as well. But it's gonna open up things on the outside. But what's also cool um, with Ludwig's offense is that he's very creative in the way he puts players in places and does all this motion and, and creativity beyond it that I can see Dalton still having a big game despite them keying on him because of the different formations or different movements that Ludwig would put him in so that, you know, if they do happen to spy on him or whatever, it will get jumbled up, causing us bigger plays than what it could have been because mishaps on their defense trying to key on a certain player. So, you know, I can see it go both ways, um, but uh, that's a beautiful thing, and I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at this Utah defense and this secondary, 
you know, I think it's come a long way um, this season, like the defense as a whole, uh, but but particularly this this secondary, they're going to get tested again against Caleb Williams and this USC defense. You know, what right. are things that you have seen over this season that that you like um, out of the secondary, and and where do you think Utah's strengths really are in that secondary? You know, one thing I like about the guys in the secondary is I, one of the people, the individuals I like is. Uh, I like all of them, but Cole Bishop, man, I just love him. He has that Brian Blecken type feel to me that he will lay it all on the all out on the line, create those big plays, big monstrous moments. But also, you know, our DBs, they're never in a bad position. They're never in a bad position um, as far as like where the ball is played or anything, so, which is a beautiful thing. You know, they're always in play. Now, the 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 difference is, are they going to make the play? You know, that's where it comes down to. And that's where guys like Clark Phillips just thrive in those type of settings. And I love the way, you know, uh, my guy Hebert, uh, Hoover is playing out there. Uh, RJ, man, he's doing a great job, you know, all his open field tackling. Like a lot of times I'm like, man, if he didn't make that tackle, man, it could have went somewhere crazy a huge play but you know that secondary back there you can see their confidence going um especially one of the players I always point out is Vaughn you know I love him every time he makes like a uh you know a pass deflection or is an incomplete I just see him just taunting the receivers and drawing <laughs> with him I freaking love it man I think he's gonna have a bright future um you know he's like six two, six three, but he's you know a long arm a long arm guy so I think he's gonna be next up in the lineup in regards to you know, the next up DB um, when it, to me, when it comes to the prime, you know, focal point, like a Clark Phillips, you know, but uh, the, the group is looking good. They're confident. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to change the subject here a little bit. NIL. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, NIL. If K Scott's on this, this team right now, this year, are mm-hmm. you the leading money winner in the NIL game? <laughs> I, I th- honestly, <laughs> I, I think you are. It. I think you I are. Say, I hate to say it, but I would. You know, funny because, you know, I reached out and had discussions with a lot of um, upper leadership within the university just recently about uh, innovative things to incorporate NIL with our athletes and what we can do to get them more exposure and stuff. So it's pretty cool for, you know, you know, the, you know, leaders in the university coming to me as a guy that, you know, I've been away from the game for like seven years, you know, from the university, but they still come to me because of the impact I did have and the exposure. And for them to be like, man, if you had it back then, and it's not necessarily so much of like how much I would have gotten paid, but as far as like building those relationships and and things of that nature. So as far as NIL, I think I would have thrived in it just because of the person I am. I love helping people. And, you know, I have a, you know, I've always approached, this football thing is like a business. And, and so I think with that, I could have done wonders in this thing. I ain't gonna lie. I could have done wonders. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've been gone from Utah. You graduated, was it 2015? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So seven, seven years. And you're still kind of like a fan favorite. Oh, completely yeah. fan favorite. You know? And so, yeah, I, I think you, I think you would overtake rising man, it's in the crazy, dollar figures. Man. Dude, it's crazy because, you know, I talked with the president at the university and um, and he asked me, like, would you ever think about, you know, doing a business class, like doing a guest lecture or anything, you know, about coming in? Because one thing I love is sales. I love sales. And one of the things that we were in discussion of is instead of the university prospecting businesses to try to get them businesses, 
how about we teach the student athletes how to do that themselves so they can get more empowered, you know, so when the game of football is removed, they can still be able to hold their own in, in, in regards to any type of business, right? And so, uh, you know, I flirted with that idea with um, a lot of the, like the major gifts organizers in regards to the uh, university and the NIL people, um, how we can get the student athletes more empowered. And it's just basically teaching them, you know, sell and market their brand. Um, so, uh, so yeah, man, it, it, some things may be in the works in the future. So we'll see. <laughs> All right. I, I, K Scott, having, you know, been to practices, seeing you interact with the media through interviews and whatnot, there's no doubt in my mind that, I mean, you would <laughs> control any conversation with NIL if you were a, a player. It is long overdue. I wish they would have had it back when you were playing. Definitely deserved yeah. it. You know what's crazy? It's like when I look back, uh, I, the videos I used to do is like the Utah U football TV, like on YouTube back in the day, mm -hmm. before there was podcasts, before there were like documentary videos. I was like, wow, like I did that like before it was even a thing, like carrying around the phone, like recording the locker room people, like giving people a day in the life. I'm like, wow, I kind of was ahead of the curve when it came <laughs> to like that type of social media type stuff. So it was pretty, I'm like, dang, I wish I was a few years later so I can kind of get compensated off this stuff, but it's all good. I, I mean, you're, you're the best halftime show of, of the year. Oh, <laughs> hand, hands down. <laughs> Probably oh, the, the best halftime show of the last decade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, Dude, that was so decade. fun. Uh, man, I, I don't know what caused me to have that type of idea. Like, I remember it was in the springtime and I just I seen the spring game and I seen it was one year where I seen Terrell Burgess on there. And I'm like, man, I want to be on TV calling the spring game. Matter of fact, I want to be at the halftime. And so I just randomly reached out to the band director and it took us about six to nine months to get everything as far as like back and forth, talk to see if it's OK, if it's not OK, sending certain audio files, syncing the music and stuff like that. Um, to make it come true. So I had to kind of keep this a secret for like six months, seven months. <laughs> so that was like definitely something I always dreamed about. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And and that song, the Rise Up song, I mean, obviously it's a fan favorite. I know my nine-year-old loves it. He he honestly blasts it every single <laughs> day uh, in, his, in his room. He's playing basketball or football in his room and he has that blaring uh, to get at him for that. Uh, but kind of you know, sh shifting back to this game, you know, having played under Winningham in big time games, in bowl games, big opponents. Mm -hmm. Leading up to this type of game, is is it is there a different feel from the coaching staff? Is or is it business as usual and they try to make it not as big as what it really is? Man, the way Coach Witt operates is like, man, every game is big like this. He, you know, he, one of his favorite sayings is like the haze never in the barn. So no matter if we're playing against Idaho State or Colorado, you know, he never lets a moment be too big or too small. You know, it's business as usual. I mean, that's what I love about Coach Witt. He, he approaches everything the right way. Like, there's no like, oh, we got these people this week. Let's turn it down. Nah, we're still going to have the same intensity, same fire, same desire, you know, and he's going to be he's probably more amped up for the teams that probably we should win against, you know, so we won't feel like, you know, we, we made it, you know, because he always talks about, hey, hey, he's never in a barn. Hey, he's never in a barn. And that's what I love about the dude, man. And 
it's going to suck when it's not going to suck, but it's going to be um, weird to see him not helm whenever he does happen to retire, which probably may be honestly, <laughs> if I, I I may be the only one to think this, but if he would have won the Rose Bowl last year, I think he would have been done. Honestly, I don't know why I have that feeling, but I think he's going to be done whenever he wins a Rose Bowl. Okay, because literally that was my next question for you. Do you do you think if if Utah wins on Friday goes goes to another Rose Bowl, win or lose? Because because there's rumors out there, right? He he may be getting close to the end of his uh, his run here. Do you think uh, do you think we could be done with him, or he could Man, be done with key. us? <laughs> Man, low key, I feel like. <clears throat> Even though he's like a well-oiled machine, like this guy doesn't miss workouts. He take care of his body, like the transformation. Like I, I see him all the time doing from like when he started to now. Like he still looks good. Look like he'd be on the cover of a magazine or something. Like oh, you know whatever. But like, I, it's hard to say. Like I can see it happening if he wins it all, like championship and the Rose Bowl. I can see it happening, or I can see it happening. Nah, that's the tough part. I think he may want to scratch at that college football playoffs. And with them saying it's expanding, we may not see him retire until we get into the college football playoffs. Honestly, I could see that now that I think about it. I think that's a actually a really good point because that's like the playoffs is one thing I think fans we haven't even talked about with with Witt retiring. You know, it's always been kind of focused around the conference championship and the Rose Bowl. Uh, but with that mm-hmm. expanding, that's actually a really interesting, interesting. That's thought. why I was, yeah, I was thinking about it because what is going to be twelve teams? I think. Yep. Yeah. So if it's twelve teams, I know for sure we can get in the twelve without a doubt. Well, not to mention, I mean, you're going to be losing U- USC UCLA from the competition now, right? You're not going yeah. up up against them in this conference, so it really gives Utah. Oh shoot. A great opportunity to be in that top twelve, you know, so, fairly consistently. So what you're saying is we're gonna do like the SEC and get a couple cupcakes on our calendar <laughs> for those two substitute those two, you know, get hey. a couple BYU games in it. No, ah, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we gotta we gotta follow their lead, right? It's working for them. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, shoot. but shoot, that would be cool, you know. We substitute instead of having nine games, we put it down to seven to add two teams that we for sure can handle, you know, and just let the college football community judge how it may once we're only undefeated or a one loss team, you know. So I can see that happening. That would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, SEC, Clemson, it works for them year in, year out. Yeah. Every freaking year, man. Like Clemson, I'm like, they're so overrated. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, you it know, is, it's, it's, man, there, it's crazy. There's talk that if Utah had not scheduled Florida this year and had instead played a Weber State or a, uh, you know, whoever, whoever cupcake, Utah, <sighs> Utah still that that Florida loss looms large. And if it wasn't Damn. there, it could have changed things. I wonder why though. Like that's that's still Florida. Like down in the swamp. Like, I know anybody can lose. Like, like, oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Man, that's I don't know why they're holding it against us that bad. That's Florida. Like, Florida. Ain't no Idaho. <laughs> yep. It's not Liberty. I don't know why I'm pointing. I don't know why I'm pointing so massive like judgment towards Idaho right now. That's just the top. <laughs> that's the team that's just on top of mine. I have nothing against Idaho. I just, 
I don't know why that seems coming to my mind right now. <laughs> hey, Case got it. If Winningham steps down, I mean, that probably means Ludwig's probably more than likely going to be done as well. I, I'm campaigning right now, Case got for OC. <laughs> Man, if we if they put me at OC, we we our run the pass percentage is going to be ninety to ten. We're <laughs> making up for all the years that we didn't throw the ball. I mean, the air raid. Kyle Whittingham <laughs> will just be shaking his head in disgust. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Dude. Yeah, I'm I'm air raiding it. I'm I'm the new Lincoln Riley. Like, <laughs> the case air got air air raid. You heard it here. You heard it here first. Our our future wide receivers are not going to be blocking. Let's just say that uh, I'm I'm Mike Leach. That's that's what that's what I am. I'm gonna be Mike Leach. <laughs> I I think there's a lot of fans that would be all over that case. God, do you know? I don't know if you guys know, but Mike Leach was about to come to Utah. Wait, wait, what? When? What? what? Yes, the year 2013. When I think, it was, I think it was 2013 or 14. One of those years um, where either we got Dennis Erickson or we got Coach Christian. One of those years, Mike Leach was interviewing for the job. No way. I was so oh hyped. God. I was so hyped because I was like, <laughs> in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm, we're, every, we're all going for 1,000 yards. Like, that's easy. Like, be passing every down and on fourth down. So it's like. <laughs> But Shoot. if that if that would have happened, do you think Kyle and Mike Leach would have fought on the sideline? Oh yeah, punches would have thrown. Yeah, yeah, and his per- I don't know how their personalities would have jailed. Honestly, <laughs> uh, it would have been glorious. Because and then there is that other. I don't know. I mean, you probably know this one. Rich Rod was in the running for OC oh, at one yeah. time. See, and man, I man, when, <sighs> I for sure thought. You know, I for sure thought we was going to get at least, uh, man, I, I can't, it's crazy, man. I don't want to talk about, you know, what's crazy. I, I was bringing it up. So like, I remember one year we were talking about targets or something. It was, it was TP, it was Tim Patrick last year at Utah. And they had like a, someone put up a comparison as far as like the amount of targets. Cause it seemed like every year we begin to pass more and more. And uh, it got to a point where I was like, one year, the most targets I had was like 70 targets, and I divided that between a – oh, it was my senior year. I had 72 targets, and out of those 72 targets, I had 48 catches, 11 passes interferences, and like two, they claim, drops or whatever. But I was like, dang, we only got 70 passes, so basically you only getting four or five attempts a game. Like, How do you expect any receiver to have any production – at only four or five attempts per game, like that's what's like mind boggling. I was like, "Dang, man!" Yeah, that, but uh, yeah, it's crazy. So, kind of going off of that, I mean, was it hard being a wide receiver at Utah, knowing that your touches were were not as going to be as high as other places? Oh, for sure, and it, it was tough, and it was tough because like. When we be watching film of other like players from other teams, like in Arizona or Washington State, we're like, man, like we're better than them as a receiver. But you know, stats wise, it doesn't show because we don't get the amount of opportunities as others. And you know, and it had to do with how we have a freaking phenomenal running back. You know, so you can get very comfortable with just handing the ball off because dude's averaging like six yards per carry, and you you could throw it to him out of the backfield too. You know. And so every year, except for 2013, we had like a dominant running back, you know, like uh, my freshman year was John White. My sophomore year, it was John White still. And then uh, the 2013 year, 
that was the year where we really didn't have a strong running game and we had to rely on the pass. And that's when Drez just went off, you know, for the thousand yards. And then the following year, that's when D book came. And as far as like production wise and senior D book, you know, and Zach Moss. And so like, um, you know, we just always had to rely on, uh, a heavy run game, but, uh, it's going to be interesting, you know, to see how next year comes along, you know, with the tight ends removed. And then, yeah. you know, Tavion's gone. I know Jaquindon and um, Bernard, they're they're doing their thing. And Glover, obviously. But, shoot, now the tight end's gone. And I heard Yasmin's this is going to be his last season. So, like, all the tight ends are gone. You know, Vele and Enos is gone. Well, I heard Vele's gone because he did the senior night or something like that. And he's getting older. So, it's like next year, huh, that's going to be tough. Yeah, we're, I think we're going to need to hit the the transfer portal with uh, at the wide receiver position pretty hard. And tight end, without a doubt. Yeah, because <laughs> we're losing everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Scott, Man. I can't thank you enough for you know making time uh, to hang out with us. Uh, before you know, we kind of get your predictions and score for the game. Really, just to let Utah fans know what you're up to. Um, you know, you're living down in Texas. You you come up and and rock it out at halftime shows but but what, <laughs> what what's going on in your life right now buddy yeah man um currently right now i'm finishing up some books um to be released next year and it's more so for the student athletes so i'm excited about that one of the schools um some schools already like reached out to me about purchasing um copies for their student athletes and it's basically helping them transition from one field to the next helping them build leverage and utilize their brands so i'm super excited about that book that's about to come out next year um, early next year. I'm thinking about uh, sometime in January. And then outside of that, uh, <laughs> I, I create like flash flash um, fiction collections, like the short stories. I love writing stories. And then I do speaking engagements. Like when I was out there a couple weeks ago or a month ago uh, for the Arizona game, I went and talked to Olympus High School um, and also did a performance for them. And then also, obviously I do music too. So those are like the layers of myself um, that I'm very happy about that I get to do. It's fun. And, you know, get to talk to guys like you guys so, <laughs> on podcasts and radio and, and sometimes guest starring on or guest featuring on TV. So it's a lot of things, creative things that I do that I love. So that's what I'm up to nowadays. It's awesome, dude. You're a special person, man. I, and, um, you know, ha- having the opportunity to, to go to practices and, and interview many, many players. You know, I, I've always thought so highly of you and even past football, just what you're doing is, is you're just a great representative, um, uh, of the state and then the university, uh, so happy for you and everything you're doing. Now that I got all that mushy stuff out, let, let's get in this game. <laughs> can, can Utah win this game? And if they, and if they do, where do you think Utah can, Utah can take advantage, uh, and, and pull out the victory against USC? Well, first off, appreciate all the mushy stuff. It definitely is appreciated. So thank you. It's all love, man. I really do appreciate it. And secondly, for the game, all we have to do, all we have to do is just win the turnover battle. I believe that if we can create a turnover or two for their offense, as far as Caleb Williams, whether it's a fumble, uh, interception, whatever it is, if we can win the turnover battle and score touchdowns in the red zone, I think we should be good. 
win the turnover battle and score touchdowns in the red zone because we cannot beat them if we score field goals. That's without a doubt. So I think if we work on those, on those two, win the turnover battle and score touchdowns in the red zone, I think we'll be okay and, and squeak out another win by five points. I don't know why five, just like I don't know why Idaho, but I think five points we'll be able to scuff it out. I love it. Five is good enough for me, man. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Hey, Skatecop, before we let you go, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, people can find me on social media at kscott underscore two. That's Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to know a little bit more about my life and what I'm doing outside of it, you can go to my website at kenneskott.me. That's everything on there, which is fun. Um, so those are the places you can find me at. Awesome. Kscott, thanks so much, buddy. We'll be in touch. Oh, man. Likewise, man. You guys, make sure you guys have a good night and go Utes. Oh, man, always great to, to hear from K. Scott and, you know, former Utah players that still have ties and are invested in the program. I think it just kind of goes back to how Winningham runs this as it really is a family. And, you know, guys that are seven years removed still are, are a part of the locker room, still part of the team. I, you know, I love that. And, and especially what K. Scott's doing um, after football is just is just awesome. It's tremendous. Uh, kind of speaks volume to his character. So we're up against a break. When we come back, guys, let's do it. Let's jump into some Pac-12 championship football. Okay, so I think it finally like hit me today that we're going to Vegas. And I know like over the weekend, like we got our tickets, we got hotels, everything squared away. But like this today's afternoon, like I just started jumping up and down. Well, like, I'm, gl- I'm glad you got to that point because Saturday night you were not there. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you were like a wet blanket. Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore, you name it. I was not Eeyore. If I guess it's a good day that the youths go. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I remember last week on the episode, I was the one that was like, they can make it, they can do it. And both of you were like, no. Ryan, do you recall that? Shot. I don't recall. I don't, I don't recall. Know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But I am so freaking excited. It, last year, I had so much fun going down there, and it helps that Utah blew out Oregon. You know, winning always makes things better. Uh, but, you know, listening to, to the radio, reading stuff online, uh, there's going to be even more fans um, at this game. They're expecting a full-on sellout. And, you know, Utah sold out all their allotment, which is hours. They can't get any more. And listening to 700 today, people are predicting it's actually going to be a bigger crowd for Utah. They're, they're thinking 60% Utah fans in Allegiant Stadium. Well, we're going up against one of the laziest fan bases in college football. So we better be. We better have the lead there, even though they, they had a, a full week of lead time in purchasing tickets. Utah, Utah fans are going to show up just like they did last year, and it's going to be it's going to be Rice Eccles South again. If I have to listen to their band, play oh, their stupid <laughs> fight song, I oh. say we overtake them. <laughs> it was the one nice thing when they played in Rice Eccles Stadium is putting the band up in the corner like that. It's going to be good, baby. I'm excited. We have a chance to take and essentially. And an incredible season for, for USC. Wouldn't it be awesome? Crush their dreams, crush their hope, and send them back to negotiating future contracts again. 
in the offseason. With with players putting them into the portal. I think that's the thing that I that I want this game so bad. It's just because you got a team that was built with money. And that's what it is. And it's the kind of the day of age we are in college football. It's legal. We don't you don't you don't have to like it, but it is it I is don't know how way. I don't know how legal they did it though. I'll put well, it that way. Yeah. Soon enough they'll be the Big Ten's problem. And uh I just hope we can give him a little going away present. It would be so sweet to beat Caleb Williams twice in one year. Be the only blemish. Utah football being the only blemish on their schedule. That would be so twice. fantastic. So it would be fantastic. great. And, se- and sending them to the Alamo Bowl while we go to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> Fight on, boys! It's not going to be easy, though. No, I, I mean, all joking aside, USC is is a great team, and I mean they're they're predicted to go to the playoffs for good reasons. I mean, Caleb Williams, as much as he bugs me, as much as he rubs me the wrong way, all his taunting, all his whatever you want to call it on the field shenanigans, the kid can play, and uh, rightful. I mean, he's a Heisman hopeful and a Heisman favorite, and and rightfully so. Okay, and here's where I'm going to come in, and and I agree. Probably he's going to win the Heisman, and he's deserving of it. But here's where I think I'm going to draw the line. They are not as good as the hype they're getting. Caleb Williams is not as good as the hype he's getting. Now that's not a knock on him because I just said he's going to win the Heisman. But ESPN tweets out after the game, what a performance from Caleb Williams securing the Heisman with 268 combined yards. Cam Rising at 234 in the first half. There were probably 80 quarterbacks on Saturday who had more combined yards from the line of scrimmage than Mr. Heisman himself, Mr. Hollywood. He gets all of the pub. He gets the benefit of the doubt on every... I mean, you're watching that USC-Notre Dame game, and Kurt Herbstreit is just like full-on open mouth making out with him during the game. And yes, he had a few nice plays, but he was not anything spectacular in that game. He has some really nice runs, some really nice throws. The media wants. USC to be so relevant. And that's what I'm getting at. Is you go look at their schedule. I mean, the narrative coming from the national media, from USC fan base right now is yeah, we lost in Salt Lake City, but it was all the ref's fault. And now we're playing at a higher we're playing at a different level now. Are they? Okay. Let's take a look. Since Utah, they have a eight Eight-point win against Arizona. They have a six-point win against Cal. That's right, Cal. I didn't stutter. They beat up on Colorado, but who hasn't? A three-point win against UCLA. And an 11-point win against Notre Dame. They're not blowing people out. They're not as good as everybody's saying they are. No, the media wants you to believe that they are unbeatable, and that's it. Could could they beat us in this game? 
very it's probably likely at this point. They're they are a good team and I I I don't want to make it sound like they're not. They're a good team. But are they world beaters? Are they the gift to of college football? No. They're a good team. They're not they're not an amazing elite team. And I think the Utes have a chance to show that. If you put them up against Georgia, what happens? Georgia's offense destroys that defense. Georgia's defense slows down that offense. And I'm not saying that if Utah was in this position, I think Utah would get smoked by Georgia too. I'm not trying to. But we're also not portraying ourselves to be world beaters here. I think for USC, it's interesting because they haven't. Who's the best teams that they've played this year? Utah and UCLA? Yeah. You know, they, they didn't mean, you really could play. argue Notre Dame's oh, up Notre there. Dame. Uh, Notre Dame's been really up and down uh, this year. Um, but they're, uh, they're, I'll, I'll give you to Notre Dame. But, I mean, you look at their their out-of-conference schedule. It, it wasn't much. They were blessed not to have Oregon or Washington on their on their schedule this year. Washington probably would have scored 90 points on that <laughs> USC defense. And, you know, I'm there with you. I, they're... They're a good, they're a good team. I don't know if they're a great team. And and if they're if they are a great team, they got an opportunity to show it on Friday night, and then in the playoffs, they've got an opportunity mm-hmm. to shut me up and shut everybody else up. We'll see if they can do it. I think they're good. I don't think they're they're not unbeatable. Well, no. and I, I I think if you look at especially this game, just. With the odd makers out of Vegas, Utah opened up as the favorite, and and now you know as bets have been placed, it, it shifted to U- uh, USC. But it's only what two, three points favorite, and I and I think if you kind of listen to the national media and and a lot of you know Trojan fans that haven't been around for the last decade, that all of a sudden come out of the woodwork. They, the feeling I get is they think they're just going to come and roll over Utah. Well, that's how arrogant they are. Yeah, their fan base, even is though, the same way, even though their only loss this year is to this same Utah team, they they believe it was gifted to them. They believe it was unfairly given to Utah because of some 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 questionable calls. And sure, you can go back and say, oh yeah, those were some questionable calls. But if you also watch the whole game, there are questionable calls on both sides throughout mm-hmm. the entire night. Just like there is every game in the Pac-12 because you got officials who are just up in the night. And gu- I guarantee you there are going to be points in this game probably for both teams where both fan bases are going to be going, what on earth did just happen with that call? It's going to happen. It's inevitable. It, Especially with Pac-12 officials. It's only come to light for them because they've been irrelevant the last few years. They haven't been watching that- what Pac-12 officiating has been doing to every team. Well, as I say, they haven't been around for a decade. Um, you know, if if there's one thing that does concern me going into this game uh, with this offense is Utah struggled to get pressure and to sack Caleb Williams in Salt Lake. In the first half. They yes. did much better in the second half. They did. And I think overall this defense has grown significantly since the USC game. And I kind of think it was that USC game that really pushed this defense forward, right? And I remember recording an episode right after and we all talked about how Scally was saying that he is scaling back the defense 
you know, making it a little, the play calls a little bit easier, simpler. Are you guys concerned in this game? Can they, can they be like the second half defense or the first half defense? Well, I think the proofs were in the pudding. I mean, look at the last five, six games. Since that USC game in that second half, this defense has been on a steady climb. Now, granted, you haven't gone up against, you know, super elite offenses, um, but they've done, they've absolutely shut teams down running the ball. Um, and, and the secondary has been lights out. And, and, and obviously that's where you're going to be tested is USC. They're going to run the ball as much as they have to, to kind of keep the defense off balance, but they want to throw. And that's where they're dangerous is in the throw game. And it's going to come down to Vaughn. It's going to come down to Clark Phillips and, and uh, Broughton and uh, Vaki and that, that whole entire secondary, Huber, Bishop. They got to play the game of their lives again. I like Vaki. I think he's going to be a stud. He is. He is. Well, he's just he, he's, he's just, turned into a special player. He's so quick. He just makes these reads and he's just there. Um I like USC still could have score some points. Their offense oh, yeah. is that good that even as well as our defense is playing, they're going to give up scores. It's going to come down to can we run the ball, which we should be able to. We need to be able to run the ball. JJ um Bernard and maybe maybe Glover, those guys have got to produce in the run game to help Cam rising. And then Cam, as we talked about, Cam's got to have, he's kind of got to get out of this shell that he's in. I mean, this 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 potentially could be Cam Rising's last game in a Utah uniform. I think for a lot of guys, it could be their last. But I'm just saying, you know, we may not see him in a bowl game. I don't know. Yeah, if it's I don't the, know. If it's not the Rose Bowl, a lot of those guys may sit it out. They may. And if that happens, that could be uh, that could be rough. So this would, I mean, this this is an opportunity for Cam Rising to cement his legacy at Utah. I, I that's a bold statement. I, I agree with it. I think this is a game. Nate Johnson gets his name out there. I'm calling it right now. He didn't play against Colorado. I. Hurry and double check. As soon as the game ended and, and you know, we got all the stats for the game, I hurry went and looked at the participation list. He wasn't on it, so he's still, still got one more game for his redshirt year. I think Nate Johnson has a big game. I'm, I'm sure, oh, sure as can be, he will be in this game plan. I don't think whatever's left in this, in this playbook that we have not shown that Ludwig has been holding on to, you're going to see in this game. And and rightfully so. Yeah, put it all out put there. Put it all out there. Give yourself every opportunity for big plays. And I think that's what it's gonna come down to. Kyle Whittingham talked about it last week. You can't you can't consistently go down and score consistently with twelve possess or twelve um play drives. It's just too hard to consistently do that. You have to have big plays, big chunks to eat up into that. And I think, you know, we saw that at, at Oregon. We didn't have it. We had no big plays. And well, I think killed the offense. And I think we saw that in the first game against USC, right? Because when USC scored their first 21 points, they were like one, two play drives. After that, 
the defense really stepped up and made USC put drives together to score, and they only scored another 21 points the rest of the game. But that was just, it just comes down to that's how pivotal. They've got to be explosive. Cam Rising's got to, he's got, deep ball's not his strength, but he's got to hit on some deep balls. When he gets the opportunity, when he gets the look, when the play call comes in, he's got to deliver. I'm calling it right now. Phillips has a pick six. Ooh. Ooh. Devin Lloyd had one last year. Considering, uh, I think uh, Williams has only thrown, is it two picks? Three, three I think. The three year. picks all year. That would be sweet. If 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 Utah wins the turnover battle, we win the game. Because nobody's beaten USC in the turnover battle this year. And that's partly why they're so good. Mm-hmm. Is they take care of the ball offensively and they're dynamic. If you can turn them over, oof, that would be absolutely huge. Front four's got to get pressure and contain... Okay, but well, let's talk about this. We we talked about it with K. Scott a little bit. Dalton Kincaid was a big reason we won that USC game earlier. 16 catches, 234 yards receiving. They won't let that happen. They're not going to let it happen. Now, he's still going to get his yards. I'll bet you he I'll bet you ends up with 8-9 catches just because he's such a he's so good and he's such a focal point of the offense. They're still going to go to him. But he's going to see He's going to be blanketed all night long. But that only means somebody else is open. And and that's where it comes down to. Can this wide receiver core step up and step up in a big, big way? No, they might be the X factor for this offense. I don't think there's any question. You know what you're getting with Kincaid? I think we'll be able to run the ball. Can Rising and these wide receivers deliver? You're absolutely right. You've got to get the ball to Vele. You've got to utilize Dixon's speed. They tried to use. They tried to get Dixon involved in the Colorado game, and he just deep ball off his fingertips, uh, right, right of the. Goal and he line. was wide open. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a better balls, easy six there. But uh, I mean, utilize his speed, whether it's his usual end around jet sweep or get him one on one. Out down the field, utilize these guys. Get Nate Johnson in in the past game. Let's. Do, I don't care. I don't care if we run twelve trick plays. Just keep them off balance. I just don't want to see these run up the gut. Run up the gut. Well, if that's what we're gonna see, well, the result will be the same as the Oregon game. I think it will be worse than the Oregon game. Well, yeah, I mean, be- as as the, an L, <laughs> not a W. That's what my. But yes, the the. The difference in the score will be significant. <laughs> so as we sit today, where's your guys' comfort level in this game? A little uneasy. I mean, given the fact that we've beat them and and they have a mentality, we have the Utes have a mentality like these guys are not unbeatable because we did it. I think that eases my nerves a little bit. I still think it's a tough ask. I think for me, I, I love the fact that Utah is the underdog in this. In the Monday presser, Winningham's talking up Caleb Williams and their offense. I, I love I love that when when Utah has that chip on their shoulder. Um, I started thinking about last year, and Utah blew Oregon out in Rice-Eccles Stadium, right? Just 
a few weeks before going to Vegas. And I remember going to Vegas today. I was nervous about that game. I think all of us were because, like, there's no way it happens twice. <laughs> well, okay. Exactly. I didn't think I didn't think there was a chance just that we were going to blow them out. I I was pretty comfortable that we were going to win that game. But the nerves were where you are 0 and 2 in this championship yeah, yeah. game. And I really don't want to go 0 and 3. Right? And so it was kind of like last year got that monkey off the back mm-hmm. for this program. And I mean, you've got you've got some guys who have played on this team who have played in four Pac-12 title games. And there's there's quite a few that have played in three. And so this isn't this isn't new. Yeah. Yeah. It's guess what? It's new to USC. Now I know that everyone says, oh, but they're you know, they're Hollywood. They're used to the spotlight. Well, but they haven't really they haven't done it. And they haven't had to do it really this year yet. They didn't go on the road and play in front of the swamp. Oh, that's a good point. I think I think that's in Utah's favor. And as Cam just mentioned, I think the thing the, the Utes can go in and just play free. Because outside of Utah's fan base, there's not a lot of people expecting Utah to go in and win this game. Well, and the fact that so much had to happen for Utah to get in, I mean they're playing with house money right now. Like no pun intended because it's Vegas, but with what's on the line for USC, the playoffs, Heisman. That adds some pressure. It's a reverse of 2019. Win, and we are in the playoff for Utah in 2019. And we came out and played one of our worst games of the season. Well, our worst game right. of the season. Mm-hmm. Right? Was that pressure? Was that, you, was that just a, a better Oregon team? I don't know. But... We were not ourselves in that game. Does that affect USC at all? All the pressure, all the Heisman pressure for Caleb is on the line. And I don't think he's going to crater. I think he's that good. He's going to have, he's still going to have a good game. But is it, does he have an amazing game or does he just have a, just a good game? And I think that's the key. Keep him to just having a, a fairly good game. Score offensively. I like where we're at on this. I would say I'm kind of at I'm at a, I'm at a six or seven right now. My comfort level for this game. I could I could see us winning and I could see us losing. That's probably where I am too. I I don't want to get too comfortable because ah. They're just good. They're good. They are. Yeah, they're, they are good. As as much crap as we are talking about the Trojans, they are a heck of a team. No, they are. And 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 that's what I was alluding to earlier. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've I've got some critiques and I think I think they're overblown a little bit. But that's just because I don't think they're a national title power. I don't think they're gonna get into the playoffs and win the thing. They're good. I just don't think they're elite. And I think I think Utah's peaking. I think I think that Oregon loss could come back to our benefit. Kind of fo- refocus everybody a little bit. It was kind of get a, them hungry again, and and yeah. it, it gives them one opportunity. It get it kind of gives them op- an opportunity for redemption. What was everybody talking about preseason? Utes in the playoffs, right? 
high, high, high expectations. And now there's kind of Kyle Whittingham has alluded to this multiple times. Oh, a nine win season after the expectations we had is somewhat of a letdown. But that just goes to show you the the level of this program where nine wins is somewhat of a letdown. But this game gives these players the opportunity to erase that letdown. Oh, absolutely. If Utah goes in and beats a playoff team in USC for the second time this year, wins a second straight Pac-12 title, and is going to the Rose Bowl for the second straight time, there is nobody in this fan base who is going to call this season a disappointment. No, absolutely not. And and if that happens, what? not only beating a top four USC team, but going to the Rose Bowl for two straight years, what does that do for the recruiting of this program? Huge. It is, it's huge. Because it's not just your flash in the pan, right? Mm-hmm. You're not it's a, consistent. You're not a Cincinnati. You're a power. You're, you're there at the top year in and year out. When, when these polls get released or these lists get released of who, who are the teams that have been ranked in the, in the um, playoff rankings year in and year out, Utah's right up there with a bunch of blue bloods. It's because of what Kyle, Kyle Whittingham has developed and what he's built here. It's a, it's a machine that is just consistent year in and year out. But I, I really think this is an opportunity for rising and for this entire team just to go, shut up. All of you who said this season was a disappointment, really? We're back in the Rose Bowl, baby. Come on! I'm, let's go! Let's get in the car and drive down now! <laughs> All right, before we get into our predictions and score for the game, you know, just kind of the news going around uh, the Pac-12. So ASU hires a child, <laughs> 32-year-old offensive coordinator from Oregon. Does he come with a babysitter? That's it. That's an interesting hire. 32. Like a, like a sweatshop for children down there. <laughs> Kyle Whittingham was asked today if at 32 he was ready to be a head coach, and he's like, Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) He couldn't even remember where he was coaching when he was 32. Um, And when he plays BYU, half of BYU's roster is older than he is. Uh, In other news, David Shaw is out at Stanford. I did not see that one coming. It needed to happen for Stanford to be taken seriously. It probably needed to happen for both. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. Does does, Does somebody... Under, does somebody understand the difficulty of what it's like to coach at, at at Stanford and know, hey, it wasn't necessarily him; it was it was where he was at, and gives him an opportunity immediately, or does he kind of have to go be a coordinator for a few years, let things wear off, and what Colorado get a gig? Yeah, that'd be I, interesting. So that's the other thing I wanted to talk about. Well, D- Neon Dion <laughs> seems to be in the, the spotlight show, right now. The show might be going to Boulder. I can see why Colorado would do it. I don't see why Dion would do it. He's not doing it. Okay, today he goes on and he himself tells the media that he has an offer from Colorado. When have you ever heard a coach ever do anything of that sort? To get an offer somewhere else. And publicly just talk about it. I think the only reason he's doing it, it's got to be a leverage play. 
He's got a. He's potentially waiting for an offer from another school that he wants. South Florida. Is I have rumored. heard. Yeah, I have heard his name pop up in South Florida. Which I think would be a great fit. And realistically, if you're if you're Dion, do you want to go to the mountains of Boulder, Colorado, or do you want to stay in sunny South Florida and have that recruiting base down there? Seems pretty cut. Seems pretty clear. I just. I think I think unfortunately for Colorado, I think he's using them right now. Oh. oh, for sure. It wouldn't surprise me if they go after Shaw though. I think that'd that, actually be a pretty good fit. It would. Wherever Shaw goes, I'll be interested to see how he does. Because Stanford kind of recruits itself just because of the education. Mm-hmm. Um and he does he doesn't have that now, but he also then doesn't have the restrictions of Stanford, oh. and so it'll be interesting to see with, with his type of you know he, he unless he changes and adapts his style of offense that he coaches is not it's not Kenny Dillingham style at ASU. Let's just say that. And whoever takes Colorado's job has got a lot of work ahead of him. Oh yeah, they're gonna have to hit the transfer portal like USC does. And throw some money around because there's not a lot of talent on that roster. Nope. All right, let's get into our predictions for the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, currently, as we're recording this, USC's a three-point favorite. Scott, we'll kick it over to you first. Who do you got and what's your score? All right, I'm going to stay pretty similar. I'm, 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 what did we learn from last year? Two two wins over Oregon were pretty similar scores. I think two wins over USC going to be by two pretty similar scores. I'm going to go Utes forty, USC thirty-seven. Ryan, where are you going? I I'm going with my Utes for sure, um, and I do think it's going to be close, like it was here in Salt Lake. But I think the Utes get a little bit bigger spread than one point. I'm going Utah, 38, USC, 34. This is going to be a close game. All right, I mean, regardless of the winner or loser, it's going to be close. I hate to do it, guys. I hate to do it. I think USC wins this one. You would. I've never been so disappointed in you. I hope I'm wrong. I hope and pray I'm wrong. Next week, we will rub it in your face. (laughs) I got USC 35, Utah 31. Okay, can I finish my prediction, though? I gave you the score, but I want to tell you how it's going to finish. Go ahead. Utah's going to be trailing late by four. Cam Rising has the offense humming. Under a minute to go, driving down the field, and there will be a pass interference in the end zone on USC that'll give the ball to Utah at the two. A play later, Cam Rising runs it in. Utes win by three. And USC continually cries about the refs. <laughs> I'm out. Hope you're right. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Uh, Uteman underscore forever. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. You can listen to us at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And anywhere you listen to a podcast, we are there, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And Utah fans traveling down to Vegas, 
Safe travels. We'll see you down there. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Kai Back to back. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.